0: So last Sunday at the 11 o'clock Mass I made a jab towards all the Viking fans and today the church uh, also takes a little bit of a jab as maybe you caught it. Uh, The rich man dressed in purple ends up in flames. (laughs) Isn't that something? While I'm standing here in green, it's just crazy how those things work. So anyway, so Packer fans, there you go. So every year everyone... Every third year, I should say, we hear for the Gospel of Luke. So for the last 10 months now, the Gospel we hear each Sunday comes from Luke. And just like the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, Luke has a specific theme that one could catch and run with. One of the primary themes that we always run with in the Gospel of Luke that's easy to see, easy to find, easy to hear, is the reality or the theme of mercy. Of mercy. In fact, a lot of people refer to the Gospel of Luke as the Gospel of Mercy. So two weeks ago, we had the parable of the lost sheep, coin, and son. What was that a parable of? Well, a parable of mercy. Last weekend, we had the parable of the dishonest steward, again a parable of mercy, and now of course today, this rich man dressed in purple garments and poor Lazarus is actually a parable of mercy. Now, just one note on parables, right? These aren't true stories. You know that, right? They're parables. They're stories that Jesus used. If you were to categorize them between fiction or nonfiction, it'd be fiction. Jesus is telling a story. But the story is always meant to bring home a point. And isn't it ironic, right, that Jesus in this story says about this rich man who wants Abraham to warn his brothers about the reality of where he is, right? Abraham speaking kind of in Jesus' voice, but Jesus saying this says, hey, buddy, doesn't say that, but I did, hey, if someone from the dead goes to them, if someone from the dead were to go to your brothers, they will repent, And the ironic part is that has happened, right? Someone from the dead has gone to us. Someone from the dead has risen and asks us to repent. And yet we know both in our world, but also in our own hearts and our own lives, there's places we haven't done that yet. Someone from the dead has come to us. His name is Jesus. And he says, please repent. Please come back. Please return to me. Please follow me. Now, that all being said... If the gospel of Luke is the gospel of mercy, if this is a parable of mercy, I think it's important for us to make sure we know what we're talking about because we throw around the word mercy often so loosely, don't we? We use the word mercy like we use the word love. We just use it for anything that we really don't know what we're talking about, at least I do, right? So when you hear me say mercy, I might be just faking it. So let's put some substance to the word mercy. The word mercy, everyone, is used throughout the liturgy right? I counted last night at the 430 Mass just to prep a little bit. The word mercy, by the time you stand up for the opening song to the time you sit down after the opening prayer, in that about four-minute interlude, we say the word mercy ten times. If we're saying the prayers and singing the Gloria, ten times we use the word mercy. So what does the word mean? Our English translation doesn't do it justice because we just hear mercy and we think sometimes kind of blah. But actually other languages help us understand what the word mercy means, right? So like the Romance languages, like French and Italian and Spanish coming from the Latin. The word mercy, everyone, is a combo word. Now I don't know what that's technically called in English, right, a combo word, but I'm gonna call it a combo word. The word mercy combines two different words to help us tell us what it's about. The two words that it combines, and I've probably said this before on the Feast of Divine Mercy, but I think I need to today. The word mercy combines two words. The words are misery and heart. Mise ricordiae in Latin. Misery and heart. Now I'll give you two guesses Actually, I'll give you one guess. I'll give you one guess as to whose misery it is and whose heart it is when mercy combines those two words. Well, it's our own misery, the places where we experience misery in the heart, in our own hearts. It's our own misery coming into contact with whose? The heart of Jesus, the one who can actually do something about the misery we sometimes experience. So mercy in its true form, mercy in its truest sense, is misery and the heart of Christ coming into contact as one. And as a result, what happens? You and I experience mercy. Now the catch with it is this. Mercy is a reality that can be rejected, refused, not received. That our job is to be recipients of the mercy that Jesus shows us right that's what's going on in this gospel this man throughout his life one didn't show mercy but two i'm willing to guess he probably didn't receive a lot of mercy from god because of whatever is going on in his heart his attachment in this case to wealth so that then begs the question how do we make sure that we are recipients of this mercy that god wants to give to us uh, the opening prayer this is what you do when you get desperate once again the opening prayer at mass everyone Just as a side um, If you're ever looking for something really helpful to pray with in your own daily prayer if you happen to have uh, either the Magnificat maybe you have one of the word among us that we give out once a month Typically those types of missiles have the actual opening prayer that we say at mass and it's incredibly rich right I know that it's a time where we can really kind of zone out just kind of catch our breath. Uh, I'm usually just happy when the server shows up with a book right at the opening prayer. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Good job, servers. They always do a good job. But the point is this. Think how often we just zone out. And there's incredible richness that the church wants us to kind of have our heart and mindset properly for what it is we're about to hear and what it is we're supposed to do. So the opening prayer this morning is really extraordinary, and it caught my attention all week. Here it is, at least the first two lines. I won't go through the whole thing. The first two lines of the opening prayer said this, O God, who manifests your almighty power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. Let me just say that again. O God, who manifests your almighty power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. So what we have here is we're saying that God has manifested his almighty power. What does it mean to manifest? It means to show, to make something seen, to make something clear. So we're professing that God is showing his almighty power. Now, if I were to ask you, what are the primary ways in which God chose his power? Which I bet you we run right away to another M word, miracles, right? God shows his power through working miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick, calming storms, right? God shows his almighty power through those ways, yes. But that's not what we we said in the opening prayer. We said, oh God, who manifests your almighty power, and here it is, above all, by pardoning and showing mercy that is remarkable that is an extraordinary claim to say that we profess the primary above all way in which god shows his power in the world is not by working miracles is not by raising the dead or healing the sick or calming storms we say and profess the primary above all way that god shows his power is by showing us mercy. That's remarkable. That should be so personal and intimate for us that we should be able to say, yeah, that is an extraordinary way that God shows his power. I have a feeling that God wants to show off more often. I have a feeling that God wants to manifest his power way more than we allow And the way he does so, according to our prayer this morning, is the above all way that God shows off isn't by some miracle. The above all way that God shows his power is by giving us mercy and allowing our own misery, whatever that looks like, to come into contact with the heart of Jesus.